Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It's the final Sunday for January 2016. I cannot believe this month has already gone by this quick, and we had five weeks in it. But thank God, because I'm ready to end the winter. Even though I shouldn't complain, outside of that one really bad snowstorm we had uh, last weekend, uh, it's been pretty mild. And this week will look like we're in the 40s and 50s here in New York, so uh, I guess I shouldn't complain about it, right? A few more weeks, we will be in the spring. But we're going to wrap up January in a big way. Zach Stevens from Circle to Circle, TSO, Sabotage is our guest tonight. Along with Siki Spacek from Black Death or Black Death Resurrected as it's known today. Uh, I spoke to Siki the other day. So this interview was pre-recorded. I don't even know if it's an interview. It was more of a one-man monologue for an hour. Siki was definitely a funny guy to talk to. And he commanded that entire interview. I don't think I said more than two words throughout the whole thing. It wasn't necessary with him on the other side of the phone. So uh, we'll get that on in the later half of the show. We're going to play as much music as we can. I believe Scott... From uh, Texas Metal Underground Records, he's going to check in with us in about 20 minutes. This tells us what's happening with his label and uh, I guess some new releases he's got coming out. Uh, but we'll play as much music as we can between now and then because the rest of the show is going to be dominated with interviews tonight. So uh, let's get some music on here. How about we do some Steel Assassin, Heavy Metal Soldiers.
Right, there you go. Misto, Disto, full speed to hell. Iman wanted to hear that. You're right. It is a mixed bag of Danish nuts, that record. But that was one of the better songs, if not just a little too long over there, almost eight minutes. And before that, we had some Steel Assassin with Heavy Metal Soldiers. And we opened up today's show with Liege Lord and Rage of Angels. That Freedom's Rise record, to me, is it's one of my all-time favorite albums. I absolutely love that record. Andy Michon was such a great vocalist. And the band back then... It was like compared a lot to Iron Maiden. I mean, I didn't really see it or hear it that much. I could, I get it with the dual guitars sound a little bit like Maiden here and there, but 
they were a great band. And they just played this weekend at the Metal Assault Festival. Our good friend Joe Como, he's fronting the band these days. He's actually been fronting them since the late 80s, around 88, uh, when the Massive Control record came out. Uh, and I'm glad they're back together. And I was glad we got to hang out with the guys when they played in Brooklyn last year. Hopefully, they'll have another couple of shows lined up in the New York City area. I'm looking to see them live again. They sounded fantastic, man. All right. We have Scott from Texas Metal Underground Records on the line. He's going to tell us what's happening with the label these days and what's going on in the world of Texas Metal. Scott, what's going on, buddy? Metal Mike. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. And I, I know you're sweating a little bit because it's warm over there, but you know what? You can send a little bit of that here to New York. <laughs> it's cold. Hey, man. We'll trade you, man. It's, it's already getting warm <laughs> here in Texas, so... Uh... Not looking forward to the summertime. Uh, it's funny when people live in warm climates, I always complain about the warm and the people from like you know, the East Coast and up north complain about the cold. It's like, you know, yeah. I guess we had it down the way we've been complaining too. Probably so, man. I don't know. We don't get much winter down here. and It's nice to get a little cool weather every now and then. Yeah, I, I do hear that. Hey, Scott, listen, you've got a lot of great releases on your label. Uh, I know now you have this compilation that you just released, right, with a little bit of everything that's going on with you guys? Yeah, we put out a little digital sampler, sent it out uh, one track from each of the, the releases that we've done so far, kind of give people a little taste of what we're doing here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know you focus mostly on, like, you know, the, those classic underground bands. And when I hear about some of your releases, like, damn, I'm like, you know, I remember these bands back in the 80s being a tape trade and being such fans. I'm like, well, who the hell would right. think of putting out an album with them? And you take that chance on a lot of these bands. You're like Baron Steel, one of my all-time favorite groups small demo tape and you put a whole package out on right. and a beautiful package on top of that well thank you yeah i mean that's the that's the whole point is uh we kind of want to get these old bands you know i grew up listening to this shit here in in texas i grew up in austin was lucky enough to see all these bands and buy the demos at the time and you know i just kind of wanted to get the word out and you know it's definitely not i'm not doing it for the money <laughs> if you know what i mean yeah. but i do it for the love of the music and i you know, i think People need to hear this stuff, so there it is. I agree. Well, you know, when, when you cut, I know, like right now, you're focusing mostly on Texas because that's, you know, the label. Uh, but are you planning on branching out to other bands, or are you going to just try to keep it strictly, you know, Texas bands, bands from your home state? I think we're going to stick with Texas. I mean, there's so much shit that, you yeah. know, people still haven't heard to this day. You know, I've got a, a nice list of bands that I want to release in the future. And uh, uh, there's, you know, there's never any supply of stuff that people hadn't heard. Yeah, th that's true. You know, when you go to look for bands, obviously it's something that you have to be interested in yourself because, you know, that's where your love comes from, this music and those groups. But right. when you reach out to a band like Baron Steel or Vengeance or even Wicked Angel, bands that very few people would think about or remember, are they surprised, like, you know, that you have interest in them? And are they, like, just willingly, you know, agree to, like, you know, do something with you? Or they give you a lot of demands and give you a hard time? Like the old prima donna rock stars. No, it's would. actually you know, each one each one's been a little bit different, but usually you know it's it's pretty easy to get them their approval to do it. You know, and the way I work it is, I usually give them a little bit of money as a kind of a licensing fee. That's what I call it. You know, give them a a little bit of cash up front, and then give them copies of the record once it comes out. And it works out for both of us because they'll get enough to sell or give away to their friends. And you know, a lot of times they're just happy to see that it somebody has interest in it and wants to put it out on vinyl you know colored vinyl you know who, who would have thought 
I know. It is amazing. But like I was saying earlier, you do put out a great package. I mean, there's booklets, pitches, information. Is it difficult for these bands to even dig up a lot of this stuff? Because a lot of them just like kind of like forgot all about it and never really cared. They kept track of their own stuff over the years. Yeah, a lot of the time it's like that. Uh, very limited stuff. A lot of these things, you know, like the flyers and stuff, I just had that shit laying around because I kept all that stuff from when I was a kid. So, I, you know, I got a lot of that material just here. But, yeah, getting pictures from the bands. Usually, I mean, it's been pretty cool so far. Everybody's had good materials to share. But, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. A lot of those bands just got rid of all that shit and forgot about it. Yeah, it's true. Were there any bands you were looking to, to sign or get, you know, to put music out by and that just really gave you a hard time wanting to go for it? Actually, the first release, the Final Vengeance, that that's kind of a a double deal with a final assault, which was, uh, they were out of Corpus Christi down at the coast. And, uh, vengeance was a band that was pretty much the same lineup with the addition of an, another guitar player. And he wasn't into doing the release at all. And he didn't want to do it. It kind of took a little time for me working on him to convince him that it was going to be something cool and that people would be into it. Yeah. But other than that, not really a lot of, most people, when I approach them with the idea, they're all for it. So, well, that's a good thing, especially for the fans, because we know we're going to get some, you know, a lot of people didn't trade demo tapes back then, or they lost them, and they, don't ha they don't have them anymore. So it's kind of cool, like, to get yeah. this music, and it's remastered, and it sounds a little better, and it's always a nice package to have. But you also just released the, the Broken Teeth record by Jason McMaster's band. Yeah, that's right, and that's kind of a departure for us, since we've yeah. mainly been doing old, older shit, but, you know, I've known Jason since back in the Watchtower days, and you know, pretty much everything he touches is badass. And I really love the Broken Teeth shit and been following them for 10 years probably here locally and uh, came up to me and told me he had a bunch of new songs and they've never been out on vinyl. So I figured it was a good time to get them out there on vinyl and uh, let people hear their shit too. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, vinyl is making a little bit of a comeback. It has over the last couple of years, especially for like old school fans like myself who grew up with, you know, only having vinyl back then. <laughs> it was nothing else but that in cassettes. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, is this a better way of like getting music out there in small doses for people where you kind of know those diehard 80s fans are going to buy the vinyl because they love it, where the CDs or the digital might so, be a little yeah. bit harder to sell? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I mean, it seems like uh, a lot of my customers are uh, European. You know, they're over in Germany or they're over in Greece, and, you know, those people are crazy about this shit, but they prefer stuff on vinyl. You know, they're not really that into CDs or digital downloads or anything like that, so in a little way catering to that market, but also just because I think it's cool because that's what I grew up with, you know? Yeah. I, I guess because, you know, you're shipping all these things out, you know where your market is kind of based. Like I said, a lot of it is over in Europe. Uh, is is there a lot of interest in the U.S. still for this, or do you find it, like, really just really difficult to get any attention here in the U.S. for for this music? You know, pretty honestly, I'd say 80 to 90% of my customers are European, and it seems like... Uh, a little bit late, more lately, it's been picking up in the U.S. market. I don't know if that's because there's a resurgence in old shit here in the U.S., but it seems like the Europeans have always been into it. You know, they never wavered from it. So that's really most of my market, but it's picking up a little bit in the U.S., which I'm encouraged by. I think that's pretty cool that more people here in the U.S. are starting to get into this old shit and kind of see what's going on. Yeah. I mean, in your opinion, what do you think the reason is? Because I've been a diehard metalhead since the late 70s. I've supported it for the, yeah. you know, the last 30-something years. I'll buy everything that comes out if I can. Even though I get most of it for free for the, the radio show, I still buy the vinyl records. I want to support you know these labels. 
and what they put yeah. out. And, you know, metalheads are like that. They don't just abandon their thing or give up. So what happened to all these metalheads in the 80s now, 30 years later? They don't want to support this music anymore. I mean, you kind of have to rely on a younger generation, which is difficult because they have a short attention span and very little money. But, I mean, yeah. where did it go? It was just like abandoned this all of a sudden, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain. Uh, I mean, there's still there's still some of us out here, you know, me and you, and I'm sure there's everybody that listens to your show. But, yeah, I know what you mean. Kind of died down for a while there. Yeah, well, and like I said, it is picking up, and that is a good thing. And I, and I do see a lot of kids at the shows, like younger kids who probably be my, my children's age, and they, like, love it right. and they dig it. And I guess there is an audience to appeal to with that. I guess just trying to get, get them into buying the stuff and they're just always wanting it for free is probably the hard part. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. My kids are the same way. I don't think my kids own any, you know, they certainly don't own any records and very few CDs. They got their shit on their phone, their iPad, and all that kind of shit. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens. <laughs> it creeps up on you before you know it. Hey, listen, Scott, yep. Texas always had a great metal scene. I mean, throughout the decades, I don't care where you come from. It was strong. There was a lot happening over there. Who are you looking at now? Like, I mean, can you tell us about any bands you're interested or are you looking for for the Texas scene that you want yeah, to got a, a package on? I've got a, few, I got a few things lined up for this year. Um, one of the things uh, I definitely want to do is the 20th a year anniversary of the first Las Cruces record. Uh, oh. Doom band, if you know about them, with Mark Zemmeron, yep. he was the singer. They put out their first CD in uh, 96, I think, and uh, it was on John Perez's Brain Ticket label, John Perez from Solitude Eternus. But it's never been out on vinyl, so I want to do that on vinyl this year. I've got another band that I want to do. They had a couple of demos. They were from Houston called Bad Heaven. I don't know if you've ever heard of those guys. I, yeah, I remember those of, guys, yep. Yeah, they had kind of like a, a Merciful Fate kind of feel to them. And they had a couple demos out. I'm going to do that this year. And then I got another band that was uh, in a little town south of Houston called uh, Sugarland. And they had a demo that were called SSR, super technical metal. It was kind of like Watchtower, but with a singer that sounded like Bruce Dickinson. And they're fucking amazing. Really fucking obscure. I don't think anybody's heard that one yet. Now you even got me on that one. <laughs> I never heard it in my yeah. I'd love to check them out. <laughs> yeah, that one's I've been you know, that one's been in the works for a while. I think they have so much material, uh, that it might have to be a double vinyl, so that's gonna be a big project, but I definitely want to present it the way that I've presented all the other releases so far and have like the big booklet and posters and all that shit. So yeah. a few things that I got planned for this year. That sounds cool. Any any uh, any new releases by new bands like you did with the Broken? T I shouldn't say new band, but I meant like an active band. Are you, any more you're gonna do with that? Looking for them or working with them? I don't know. I'm I'm looking, man. I'm I'm open to that kind of shit now. I mean, with the Broken Teeth, I kind of opened the door to releasing current stuff, and I have no problem doing that. You know, if there's a band out there, they're welcome to send me some shit. But you know, it'd have to be something special, probably. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to everything you put out this year, Scott. I'm going to have to cut you loose because i got a couple okay, of man. guests waiting to get on behind you. But where can people check out your releases and your label? And I know how hard it is to do what you guys do. I work with a lot of labels. So everybody's got to go and buy these albums to support you because that's the only way we're going to get more stuff out. All right, man. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the opportunity to come on your show. Your show's badass. Love it. been listening to it for a while. So I do appreciate it, man. Everybody hit tmerecords.com, Facebook, tmerecords.bandcamp. All that shit. That sounds good, Scott. You take care, buddy. And stay cool if you can over there tonight, all right? <laughs>
<laughs> I'm doing my best, man. I got a cold beer working right now. Hey, that'll always do it. All right, Scott, you take care, buddy. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. You got it. All right, Scott from Texas Metal Underground Records. Like you said, check out his website. Let's play uh, one of the songs off that sample. Here's Wicked Angel with People of the Black Circle.
All right, Solitude, Eternus with Mental Pictures. We're going to get Zach Stevens from Circle to Circle on in about five minutes. Uh, how about we get us some brand new Anvil before that? Uh, they have a new album out, and uh, Lips will be our guest in a few weeks on the show. Man, we got a great month of February lined up over here, you know? Uh, uh, Dave Overkill from Destructor will be on next week. Chuck Billy from Testament will be on next week. And Sean Peck from Cage. It feels like we just had Sean Peck on a few weeks ago, but I guess he's got a lot more to say. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday next week, and a lot of people are going to be watching the game here in the U.S. Nobody else cares about it outside. <laughs> even, even I don't care about it, and I live here. So hope you can join me live next Sunday night. If not, you can always catch the replay of the show. But we also have Jeff Scott Soto calling in this month. Dave Starr, who used to be in Vicious Rumors, he's got Wild Star going now with his wife, London Wild. They'll be on next week, the week after that. Like I said, Lips from Anvil. Our good friend Steve Stegg from Sleepy Hollow is on. Angelica Valkyrie from Flames of Fury, a killer power metal band from here in New York. Then we're wrapping up the month with uh, Madame Mayhem and our good girlfriend, Doro Pesh. I love talking to Doro. She'll be back on the show. And I think we have Malice on the last week, but I don't think it's the, the Malice from uh, the 80s. Uh, this is a book from one of my bookers, so I think it's a different band called Malice. We'll have to look into that. Uh, but a great month, like I says, in February. Don't forget to stick around with us every week if you can. All right, let's do some brand new Anvil. And then we will talk to Zach Stevens from Circle to Circle right after that. I think Lips is on the, the 21st of February, if I recall. I have to check my calendar out. But uh, here you go. Daggers and rum. We 
Brand new Anvil uh, off the album. Anvil is Anvil. I guess they're going to beat it into your head that it's Anvil. There's no way of getting around it. All right. Not a bad tune, to be honest with you. I haven't gone through the whole record yet. We just got it last week, and uh, I was kind of busy. But I will get through the whole thing this week. And like I said, Lips will be on the show on the 21st of February. All right. Let's talk to Zach Stevens from Circle to Circle. Uh, we were supposed to make this happen about a month or so ago, but he was busy with TSO, and you have to understand that. It's a big thing. So uh, he's back now. Circle to Circle is about to get active in 2016. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, Zach, it's Mike. How are you? Good. How you doing, Mike? Good. How are you today? Pretty good. Thank you. Uh, Getting it's better. It's a pleasure to talk. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, Zach, you know it's all about the new Circle to Circle record, even though technically it's not really new, because I heard that it was actually already in the can in like 2014. It took a while for it to actually see the light of day. Well, I think we turned it in in January or kind of like early February in, in you know, 15. And then they decided to uh, hold on to it and decide on a, you know, proper release date. And I can't, that wound up being October. So it was quite, it was probably about, what, nine months on the, on the wait because they wanted to wait until the, you know, Sabotage and TSO Wacken, you know, concert there in uh, Germany got finished. And that was on July 30th. So they just wanted to have it come out sometime after that. So I guess that's what the label thought was the best uh, release time. But, yeah, it had been done since, you know, well early in, in 2015. 
Wow. Is that hard when you finish something, you know, you're so happy, you're proud of it, then you got to kind of wait, like, you know, kind of bite your fingernails for it to come out for people to finally hear, like, what you created? Well, it, you get used to it. You know, there's various, you know, times you have to wait. I think the normal time is, if you can do it real quick, it's still three months. Uh, that's, yeah. the, that's a really quick turnaround time. So sometimes it's three, six. I've never seen nine before before this one, so that was a first. But, I mean, you get used to it. It's not so bad. I mean, I guess you could feel that way, uh, you know, if you're just waiting and waiting. But, you, you know, you, you, you kind of get used to the way the business wheels turn, and it's not, it's not so terrible. Yeah. Well, it wasn't exactly like 2015 was a bad year or a slow year for you. I mean, besides the record coming out, and like you said, the TSO Sabotage performance at Vakken, and then, you know, the TSO tour, you know, around the holidays. I mean, you were kind of busy last year. Yeah, it was good. I think it was, uh, I think I had told somebody that it was really the first year that Sabotage and that I performed with Sabotage and TSO and Circle to Circle in the same year. So that was wow. real interesting. <laughs> I've never had a year where I performed with all three bands in one year, so that was kind of cool. Uh, that marked a good busy year there. So, yeah, I mean, we started preparing for Vakken with, you know, TSO and Sabotage probably around, my gosh, probably as early as late March. We started getting together and doing little things and seeing what we might want to do. So, yeah, that, all that together made for a pretty busy year. It was fun. I like that. Yeah, I guess in this business, when you're not busy, that's the worst part, probably. The downtime probably kills you more than all the running around you do playing in multiple projects and bands. Yeah, I mean, there tends to be a good bit of, you know, downtime in a year, uh, depending on what's going on. So, yeah, that was a lot different and better. I mean, you try to keep the downtime to a minimum, but, it, you know, in the business, if you're playing hard, you know, rock and metal and everything the way – the way it is right now, you know, you're just really happy if you can get out there and, and only have a couple of months down and get back out and do something else. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, the one thing I always felt like with Circle to Circle is that, I mean, from whether you're going back, you know, watching the silence or the new one, Rain of Darkness, you know exactly who it is when you hear it. And your voice is all, you know, the kind of the finer factor in it always. But yet each album is different than the last one. Each album always takes a band sort of in another direction. And, you know, and that's not an easy thing to do where you kind of can, you know, maintain that original sound, but yet also sound different. I mean, I know it doesn't make any sense, but you kind of cover both ends of it. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, it does make a lot of sense. We, we actually, you know, try to get that done. I know um, it's not easy. You know, you have to put some effort into it. And, you know, the fact that you can be recognizable, even though you're trying to do something different musically and you're trying to go in a new direction, I guess that's pretty good. Um, it really helps when I when you got the team that we got, you know, the guys in the band really make that possible. It's it's not one or two guys, it's everybody. Um, and we're still growing like that. We're still talking about what the next, uh, you know, we were at the NAMM show a couple of days ago and, you know, just talking about what the direction is for the next one already. You know, you have to kind of be on top of it and be ahead of the game. Um, but I'm really excited. We've got stuff that we didn't even pull out for this one that we're going to be opening up some new guns and even an, an additional rider to the whole thing, our new drummer, uh, Marcelo Moreira. He didn't really get a chance to ride on uh, Reign of Darkness because he joined us in the middle of the project, but uh, and he didn't even get to really play on as many songs as he wanted to. So there's still a lot of heavy guns that we're going to be bringing out. Um, so that's good for the future, you know, to, to at least know you've got something that's going to give you even another angle 
you know, to come at you different. You'll you'll recognize it, like you said, but we're excited even about, you know, where the future, you know, lies with the whole thing, um, you know, and got some more weaponry to bring out in the future. So that's all you can do. Just keep trying to do that. Exactly. Well, you've had a pretty, I mean, outside of much like you're saying, you had a pretty steady lineup over the last couple of years. Uh, is it, does that help the band sound-wise, or do the constant changes in lineup kind of affect the sound of the group? I mean, it's it's a common thing today. It's very difficult to keep band members in a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, because it's a sign of the business being tougher. You know, um, people have lives, the economies in general, the past 10 years, the economy's been a real, you know, struggle, and you got to take, you know, people have families, and if you take all that in consideration, it is hard to keep, you know, people, you know, together, right? I've been real happy because we've been very stable the last five or six years, and in the beginning of the band, it was even hard to have a five-year run where you said, hey, we got the same guys. Um, So that's been good. Um, I think as far as the writing of the songs, maybe the the individual lineup might not matter as much because you might have your writing team still intact. You know, some bands can change three dudes or, you know, three members or whatever, and still if it's just been – you know, the main three guys writing, it might not change the sound of the writing so much, but we've been interested in getting the new guys involved quick. I, you know, I have because I didn't really want to go too, you know, stale. I kind of felt like we were kind of edging in that direction of, you know, having, you know, I get nervous about sameness, you know, so I was always kind of pushing. We've even had writers on Reign of Darkness that are even outside the band in some in some manner, you know, uh, like Mark Pattison, a guy who, a great friend of ours who's a guitarist who, a good friend of Christian Wentz and um, Ron Keeler, the guy, the guys who mixed the record, you know, and when we found out, you know, hey, he said, hey, I would like to write along with you. I'm like, sure, you know, I don't have a problem with outside writers at all these days because I'm really trying to keep things fresh. And really, it's all about the music anyway. If people people want to look into the back end and say, hey, what technically happened with these writers, then fine. But what really happens is the music that hits you, you know, when you put the CD in. <laughs> so, you know, I'm all about spreading out, spreading the, uh, spreading the wealth around these days with the writing. Sure. I don't blame you. I mean, things are different today. Let's face it, than they were, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s. I mean, replacing a key member mm-hmm. of a band back then was a real challenge, especially if it was a singer you know, like a real famous guitar That's player. Right. Today, people are just so happy to have this music and people still doing it and recording it. I don't think a lot of that stuff matters anymore. You know, it doesn't matter if there's one original member left or if this has happened. People mm-hmm. just want to hear good music and they don't care how they get it anymore because it's, it's rare to have it. I totally agree, man. That's a great perspective. And, you know, I think that the, the, the fans and the, the purveyors and the listeners of this genre of music I totally agree. I think they're happy if you can keep it together to the point where you can make an album and have a touring lineup and just be able to have a working unit, and it really doesn't matter too much what goes on in the back end. I mean, we started realizing that a few years ago, and that's when I said, hey, let's don't, you know, let's don't, you know, have any limitations. Let's pull out all the stops, and if we want to have seven writers on a song, I mean, I know that's a little bit ridiculous, but, you know, um, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. I mean, if it makes it great, I'm all for it, you know. You don't have, you can be a little bit more experimental now. Like you said, I think that was a great point. Why not just look at all the avenues, you know? 
Yeah. You know, I'm sure as the person who writes the music, there are songs like when you look back later on, like, well, I'm not really so crazy about that one, but we put it on there. But I've always felt that all your albums really never had any fillers. I mean, you put, you know, on the average, each album has about 10 songs on it. And I think that's just the right amount, especially when you're writing a whole bunch of songs and you pick out which ones to put on there. And you've always seemed to have chosen like the right ones and just the right amount where you know, it's like a lot of bands today, they'll load up an album with 18 or 19 songs, and after a while, you're shaking your head, you're like, I just can't get through all of these songs anymore. You guys like to hit the right number for, like, each album. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, it, you know, when albums, the listening behaviors of the public, it's so different now with, with YouTube, and you can get individual singles, and, you know, you can just pick songs out, you, you download, you buy if they're even buying them, you know, with all the crazy illegal downloading going down that has, you know, really changed the business. But you know what I'm saying? It's kind of a song-by-song thing now rather than listening to things in terms of an entire album like it was in the, you know, 70s, 80s, like you were mentioning. You know, that was important to have this album, and the running order of the songs was vital and everything, and it needed to sound like a cohesive unit. I think everybody knows these days that people are just kind of jumping around going from one song. You never know what song you're going to land on. So it gives yeah. a new challenge because you want to make you want to make each one of them strong. So if somebody landed on number six or number eight first instead of number one, you know you still want to be able to capture them for a, you know to make them you know try to get somebody to listen to a whole song. I mean, kids, you know, geez, I think people listen to like tiny pieces of songs now rather than <laughs> rather than you know a whole song, which is ridiculous. But you know, it's just so it's weird now. You know, it's like oh my god. So yeah, if you have any more than ten, you're like. You you know I don't even know how anybody's gonna get through it with the with short attention span of the world now when it comes to like listening to music and entertainment it's crazy but if people can sit through movies I think we can give them nine or ten songs and make them sit through that <laughs> it's true we come from a different generation where we put that that album I'm talking the vinyl <laughs> back in the day and we listened to it from start to finish and sometimes it didn't hit you right away you had to go through it a couple of times but you gave it that yeah. opportunity you let it grow on you. I mean, how many bands did you listen to as a mm-hmm. kid that you said, you know, I don't like that record? And then a year later, they were your favorite band. I mean, you said it's a short attention span today with the younger generation. They just don't – I mean, it's all this technology, I guess. Yeah, I think so. You know, just there's so much stimulus out there, and there's so many things you can, you know, find on your phone. And, you know, there's you might have five different, you know, music, um, you know, uh, uh, services on your phone. You might have Pandora. You might have Google Music. You know, golly, you're bouncing around. It's just so much stimuli for everybody out there now. Whereas you could just get a record, you know, back when we were kids. You know, you sat down and read through that whole thing. It's a, it's, a, it's vinyl. You're, it was all about the big, you know, thing like flipping through all the pages and, you know, I don't know. And you know, bands had to do the same thing. They have to reinvent themselves once in a while. You might listen to that album, and even though you don't have a lot of uh, distractions. You were probably going, oh, I don't know about this. But then, if you yeah. just stayed with it, you gave it. If you give them a chance to reinvent themselves, give them about three listens, then it usually, yeah, grows on you a little. But you're right; that's kind of the way it was. But I, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of distractions out there these days. I don't know. You have to get them quick. We have to come out of the box swinging because if you don't get their attention quick now, it's like, oh crap, you know. Yeah, but does that, as a musician and as an artist, does that kind of affect the way that you write or the way you think about writing a song? Because you know you have to grab them, you kind of want to throw it at them right away, or do you still kind of write, you know, the way you have to, just to put a song together? Well, you don't want to let what you think is listener behavior drive the writing. Uh, 
or it could get really weird. I mean, you we think about it a little bit. If I was to say we don't think about it at all, it's probably not the total uh, truth. Our song links, if you look at the links of our songs from the very beginning, like from Watching in Silence album, and just look at the and just run down and look how long those songs are, and then you put Rain of Darkness beside it, you're like, damn, they're in the three-minute range now. Well, used to be we were all in the four- and five-minute, and we had a few songs that was, what, like, I mean, on the last album, we had a nine-minute song. You know, I think that we definitely made a choice where we were like, hmm, you know, we're going to write different. It's going to be different uh, to try to, you know, maybe have a little bit of reinvention of ourselves. We kind of said that going into Rain of Darkness, but... You know, and the songs do look shorter. I don't know if that was a conscious decision. I think it was more of a musical decision because the type of songs they are now just lend themselves more towards shorter songs. But it's kind of crazy when you had a nine-minute song on, um, you know, on the last album, and now you've got something that's like 257, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, Seasons Will Fall having that, golly, it had a couple of crazy, very long songs on it, but. Yeah, oh, we might have been thinking about cutting like the nine, pad a little yeah. bit. Yeah, end of emotion oh, okay, was like yeah. nine minutes, and I think Killing Death was like seven or eight. But they were quality songs, <laughs> so I mean, as a fan, you don't mind. Yeah, like Epiphany is the one I'm thinking about. Like was uh, it was nine, but it doesn't sound like we all you know joked about it in the band. We were like, well, it's about nine minutes. I think it's eight minutes and fifty nine seconds, but we got to make sure it doesn't listen like nine minutes. And when we got done, it's like, yeah, it listens more like six minutes. So you can have a nine-minute song, but if it listens shorter, then I think you hit the mark. But you don't want to sit there and let people go, oh, my God, okay, we're in the ninth minute, or I need coffee, where's my cigarette, this is bad, I need a whiskey drink, I got to get through this thing. So as long as it listens a little shorter, I think you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. It was like the good thing is that I know you're you're heading over to Europe in another month or two. You're going to be out there, I think, in April and May. Uh, any possibility for the U.S. this year on like uh, on a you know pretty good tour or maybe like one of shows yeah. you're looking at with the band? Uh-huh. Uh huh. We are. We have two or three different packages that we're looking at right now. Um, they're all good, and I think it's going to result in something good for the summertime for the U.S. Whether it's two, three weeks, it's looking good. I don't. It's a little early for me to start running my mouth on it because I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'm very excited. Some of it has to do with some of our brethren in TSO, and I will just leave it at that. That's some of the package ideas because um, we've had a chance to all be working together. So, yes, you know, we've been just like, you know, talking amongst ourselves, and that has opened up some avenues for each of the guys' solo bands we would call it, <laughs> now that Circle yeah. Circle's been called, it's Zach's solo band now. You know, ever since oh. I got into it, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of funny uh, how the terminology changes. But it's still it's still Circle Circle. It's still the band. It's still Zach Stevens. However you want to look at it. So uh, it's all good. Um, you know, the networking and the, and the and working with, you know, more people in the business. And, heck, I'm going to be pretty much located in Vegas. Uh, that's where I'm calling you from today. Okay. going forward so now things are going to open up wild because you know the vegas rock scene is pretty pretty happening and i've already yeah. been in touch with a lot of guys out here in various well-known bands that are like what you're gonna be oh you got a jam so i'm very excited about the future i've decided to open up you know some things to really give a lot of possibilities out there for the future so it should be very interesting like uh we should have a lot uh. to talk about in the future including 
good you know stuff coming from circle to circle hopefully some sabotage stuff I'm going to continue with TSO um, have my maybe a few of my own more you know different projects that I do on my own under Zach Stevens so it's going to be exciting well, I'm looking forward to it all, Zach. I have to tell you. And, I mean, do you ever sit back and say, like, with TSO, I mean, you know, you were in Sabotage when it kind of transformed into TSO in a way. The music was coming out of it. Did you ever sit back then when mm-hmm. it was happening and the music was like saying, you know, this is something that's going to be really big and it's going to be, like, probably one of the biggest touring bands in the world, which it really has become. And I, I sit down, like, yeah. a metal band is, like, the biggest touring band, you know, on, on the holiday season. And now it's even beyond the holiday season. Did you ever see turning into that the monster that it became back then? No, I mean, we were kind of like happy to you know have some work and you know see something go off in a different direction and be happy that you know John O'Leaven and Paul O'Neill could really expand what they did outside the box and not be too confined. That's what I was happy about. Oh gosh, you know we don't you know there's so many rock bands that have to sound like they do and it's almost a little bit confining. I was just happy to see that it didn't have to happen with that. Then all of a sudden it turns into a monster. It's just crazy. I, we never, ever thought that. We were just happy to have a job and be in a, in a, in a rock band, you know, that could have, play to a little bit of a wider variety of music and a, 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 huge, a huge crowd of a lot of different ages that had never been done. So, you know, wow, it's just unbelievable. It's going to be a book on its own by somebody one day. But yeah. Yeah, and when you say by many different ages, that's the funniest thing because I took my parents with my family this year to go see the show in New Jersey, and they were like, yeah, they loved yep. it. Like, they couldn't get enough. I'm like, you know, these were the same guys who used to yell at me when I was 16 years old, blasting that music in my room on my radio. They used to scream at me to lower, and now you're sitting here and enjoying the show yourself. So you really did transcend I mean, generations. It's incredible. That is so funny that my mom was at the show, and, you know, we played in South Carolina in the beginning of the tour in Columbia, and we saw you towards kind of the end there. Um, but, uh, yeah, the same, you know, they were telling me, turn down the music and here they are. And my mom's backstage crying (laughs) that she's so proud and happy. I'm like, what is this, man? And it takes a band to do that, that, you know, you never realize it's possible. It's crazy. Uh. It's true. We have to admit it is a spectacle. I mean, it is a big, amazing show. You don't really get that too often these days anymore. And I was glad that you released an East coast company this time around. So, you know, it was a real nice, uh, uh, to see you perform over there in New Jersey. Awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had so much fun on the tour. It was great. Uh, well, Zach, I'm looking to see you this year with Circle to Circle when you come to our area. The best of luck with the new record, man. I'm not going to keep it. I know you're busy with these things all day long, but I, I can't thank you enough for talking yeah. with us today. Hey, great talking to you again, Mike. Always a pleasure, and thank you so much. We'll be in touch. I'll keep you in touch with everything going on. should be pretty exciting mm-hmm. going forward here. Uh, you got it, Zach. Take care, man. The best of luck this year. Thank you, brother. Talk to you soon.
Hello, Governor. All right, sacrilege forever after for my boys over in the UK. And we're going to close out tonight's show. Uh, everybody knows Gary Young from Avengers. He's been on the show many times. He's got another band called Curious Repulsive Visions. Uh, not what you expect if you're digging them to sound like Avenger. They're an extreme metal band. He sent me over the latest song, and we're going to close out tonight's show with it. But first, we have to get the sicky spacek from Black Death Resurrected. I spoke to him the other night. The interview was about an hour long. I, like I said before, I can't call it an interview. It was more like a one-man monologue. You just say hello and let sicky roll with it, man. And he just takes over the whole thing. But it was good to hear from him. But let's get on a song from Black Death Resurrected. We'll go right into the interview. We'll close it out with a song by Black Death and uh, something by Curious Repulsive Visions. So sit back, relax. You're in for the long haul with this one. All right, let's get on. Uh, how about we get on Return of the Iron Messiah and we'll go right into the interview.
Greetings, my brother. How you doing, Mike? Uh, you, I'm doing good, Siki. How are you, man? Not too bad, my brother. In pretty good spirits. Pretty good spirits. Hey, that's nah. the most important thing, man. That's the most important thing. Oh, hell yeah. I just played out last night, did the first gig with my other band, my other side project, Not of This Surf, and we got a pretty good response and every goddamn thing. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good, man. I'm happy but, for you. And I, but, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like, I, I got to tell you something. I remember getting that first Black Death demo in like 1981, 1982, and saying, holy shit, uh -huh. man, these guys are onto something. That's how far back I go with you. Oh, that's very far back indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Way back in the day. So yep. You're one of the ancients too, man. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> absolutely. Our absolutely. Here. Yeah, I know. Our ages here. <laughs> it shows, but I don't feel it. You know, I don't know about you, but I still feel like I'm that 20-year-old kid again. Oh, it was the same here, man. Except when I woke up this morning, uh, a lot of moves I hadn't did in quite some time and stuff came back to haunt me this morning. Yeah. <laughs> stiff, I'm stiff, sure. two knee braces on. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. yeah, I know. It's all right. I'll do it all again. Yeah. I'm just out of shape. That's all. What you got for me, Mike? I tell you, the band, the band itself, I mean, goes back to the 70s. I mean, you know, like like the, close to the late 70s. This was a time before anything was really even going on, like in the world of heavy metal. I mean, it wasn't even like, you know, where it was a few years after that. You guys, like, ahead of the curve. Oh, hell yeah. I started, you know, I first met feeling those guys in 77. And then um, we parted company because... Uh, they weren't playing metal. I was the one that was playing metal. They were, you know, um, what's that guy, um, the Beatles guy. Um, only Mojo, he got hair <laughs> on his knees, got to be the, you know, I don't even know the damn yeah. lyrics. <laughs> they were playing shit like that, and Eric clapped it. You know, they were, you know, it was a good group of guys and stuff, but um, they needed to be, they had no clue about heavy metal. So I left and came back in 78, but I was the only thing, I had the concept of everything together. It was just the name, you know, because a name is real important. makes a big statement, you know, and Black yeah. Sabbath had the coolest name first, and then Judas Priest. So I said, okay, if you go on the Black Sabbath, what you have? What would the Judas Priest have on the Black Sabbath? Okay, after the sacrifice, you have Black Death. So, anyways, Richard Pryor helped me with that name in it. But I saw the name of it. Little, yeah, I saw the name. That's where I got the name from. You know, I probably eventually would have thought of it anyway. But because uh, Black Sabbath, let's say that's a tough name, and you know, the much less top just to be up there with stuff as far as names of yeah. bands goes. Yeah. So, anyways, blah blah, and then I came back '78 in that wicked ass snowstorm, and then um, when I was a man on a mission. And I was determined to try to get these guys into, like, you know, understanding the concepts of metal and, you know, and doing it. And, and not to mention it was a better music to play than what they were playing, you know. I mean, geez, this wasn't the goddamn Bee Gees, you know. This is heavy metal. <laughs> 
So, so I mean, anyway, not only did you find these guys, but you had to convert them into metal instead of like just looking for different guys. Every band, practically every band, it's only been one lineup where I didn't have to like baptize or educate any of the members in the heavy metal, and that was on um, Black Death Mock Three, the lineup, the um, third lineup I had after um after I left feeling and after feeling I and Greg parted company, you know. But then after that, when I walked away in 88, and it wasn't supposed to took 30 years. It was only supposed to have been for a couple of weeks. But anyhow, <laughs> shit happened. <laughs> that's when the woman's involved. Yeah. That's right, ladies. I'm blaming it on the woman. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It's always their fault. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, this stuff... Took a new saw Judas Priest because I couldn't. There was no way. Because, see, this is the thing about metal. You either get it or you don't. You either yeah. born this way or you're not. Oh, you can convert, but that only means you got metal, latent metal in your genes. That's all that is. Yeah, that was That's a joke. true. But anyway. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the truth. Yeah, but it's the truth. So I say the best way there are pictures worth more than a thousand words. We went and saw Jesus Priest when they came to Cleveland the second time at the Cleveland Gore Ballroom. And they, then it was like a light bulb went off in their heads. Because they used to make fun of me uh, dressing in the leather and studs and, you know, need I even say, uh, embarrassed. <laughs> but then after they saw a Priest, then they got it. Yeah, and then they see, you know, everybody else was wearing black spandex and leather. Yeah. Actually, switch to the spandex because that leather gets hot and sweaty, and once you stop moving, that cold air hits you, boy. That's the breeze. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, it's funny because Black Death are one of those. Black Death are probably the most famous band that nobody knows nothing about. I mean, there's so little information about the group. Uh, nobody knew what was going on, but yet everybody knows who the band is. Every metalhead knows who Black Death was. Yeah, and, I, and that's the testimony to the, how strong the music is, you know? That's what I like to believe in stuff. You know, that way it's not about a gimmick because of the color of a person's skin. It's all about the music. And it's a testament to the music that we've the name Black Death or the name of the Iron Messiah me, you know, have survived the test of time because the congregations of metal out there, they will not let true real metal die, especially pure D metal. Pure D metal is like getting you some pure D real squeezed orange juice. Yeah. Okay, that was another joke. <laughs> I got it. I'm <laughs> I, I got that one. <laughs> yeah. So... But it's true. It's like yeah. you said, people thought the band was a gimmick. They're like, oh, uh, four black guys playing a band called Black Death. They didn't realize that, you know, you were a true diehard metalhead. Right. And, you know, but that's what helped open the break open the metal scene here in Cleveland in some of the clubs and stuff. Because, you know, it was a lot of groups, the Breakers and Destructors and Shark Pairs, they had been together and been out there playing and stuff. But um, clubs like the Pop Shop of the Gore, things like that, it was rare, if non-existent, where they would let the guys come in. Okay, but then 
hey, four black guys playing metal. Hey, that's a gimmick. People will come in real quick. We can make a quick buck. Well, who are we going to get to play with them? Hey, what about that band Destructor or Shot Perrin that wanted to try to do a show here? Okay, well, let's pair them up with Black Death. Okay. So anyways, but see, that that gimme shit only, I mean, Jesus. It, it only lasts as long as it has with Chiss because we're the Chiss. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they got a pretty good gimmick. You know, they can at the end of the night they can wash it off. I can't wash shit off. I was born this way. But anyway. <laughs> and it was another joke. <laughs> so so anyhow. So it's the music. It's the music. That's why bands like you know, like Sabbath, like that's why it affects us to the core when we lose our fellow heroes and members of the congregation like Libby, you know, yeah. and there's Jimmy McVeigh that just passed away, you know, you know? know, and Bowie, I'll toss him in there because in the Ziggy Stardust days, you know, he sounded like garage band metal, you know, it was good songs. You know, it just didn't have a metal crunch, but it was still good song. It was still yeah. metal. It just didn't have the distortion and everything. You know, like the group we played with last night, um, uh, Graveyard. These guys are real good at that 70s sound. Those guys and the spiders. You know, I thought I went back in time and shit, and I was watching the motherfucking Outlaws or, or, uh, or, um, uh, or what's the name, Blood Blood Rock or somebody, you yeah, know. Yeah. But, yeah, and the pendulum, if you notice, is swinging back around towards that thing because it's only so low you can tune your guitar string down and and everybody kind of sounds the same vocal-wise. Some good music, but I'm not knocking it, but, you know, it means for somebody like me that grew up where, and like yourself, where we grew up back in the day, Yep. The vocalist was like the band. You heard that voice, you knew who that band was. Absolutely. Yeah. They was playing. Yeah, that's what I call them romantic metal because here we go again. Time it takes time. <laughs> okay. My voice is a little rough because I was singing last night. But yeah, yeah, yeah you again, you had Priest. Yeah. Now, Priest, I called them teenage English heavy metal. And the reason why, well, you just pick up the Sad Wings of Destiny album, buddy, and you start off with Tyrant, and you hear the first riffs of that chord. You know, immediately, you all things England and London pop to mind and shit. Christopher Lee, Hammer Films, and blah, blah, blah. You're absolutely right, but you guys had the same... You guys had the same sound, too, because when you play one of your songs, you know exactly who it is, whether it's your voice or your guitar. You play Night of the Living Dead, The Screaming Iron Messiah, Streetwalker. I tell you exactly who it is off the first riff. You guys, you know, emulated that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, you know. And, and see, you know, like with my vocal style, I try to, it's like when I wrote my songs, you know, I would ma imagine one of these other great vocalists from other metal bands singing that song, you know, because I, I, you know, I use that like kind of like as a, um, you know, a, a guy, a go, a pattern, and so to speak, you know, I say, well, damn, it was song good, and you know, like it's a song that's on, uh, on our current album, 
which I'm sorry I wasn't able to get it to you and stuff. But that's okay, because guess what, Mike? We're going to have a part two to this interview after you hear the album. <laughs> hey, that's got to be good, man. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm real curious, because I know people, okay, the past and things that we've done back then, that's all fine and dandy. Everybody, but once you get that, then it's like it's like when you get the latest Xbox. Then you're ready for the next PlayStation. Okay, yeah. so people are probably wondering, with 30 years, what have you been doing since then? What you got now? Okay. Got enough shit for at least three and a half more albums. I'll put it that way. Oh, That's good. That's a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. You go back to... Go back to the first record. I mean, you go back to 1984. You guys were on Auburn Records, which was the label out of Cleveland at the time. I think you guys were like the second band or the second album that came out of the label. I think Shock Paris had an album out oh, first. No, we were got... the first. No, oh, you were no, the first. we were the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks to our brother Bill Peters and stuff. Love him much and stuff, you know. He's a big reason why, you know, um, Black Death is known the way it is, even up to this day, because... He took it upon himself. He used to work for Wheel, Warner Lecture Atlantic, and um, and he got them to bring out a couple of representatives from uh, Lecture and Atlanta Records. But the thing of it was, they didn't bite, you know. Uh, it was somebody sabotaging my guitar on stage. I won't get into that, uh, you know. Lots to say that for the next uh, session. But anyhow, so he took it upon himself to take a loan out the bank got his mom to coast and put up the house, you know, wow. and, uh, and he did our album. Yeah. And, you know, he had friends and people telling him, maybe you shouldn't put them on the album, on the cover of the album. And he took it upon himself. He was like, no, nah, to hell with that. I'm going to put them on the front, you know? And it was just like how you see Kiss on the front of their first album or the hotter yep. than hell album. That's what I like to compare it to. And uh, and the rest is history. So people, because that'll get you. You see, a lot of people told me they saw the picture, and it's like, I gotta. You can't help but want to know what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> I, one, still, I still got that. One, I still got that record. I still got that record in my collection. You do. And the and the seven, the seven inch. inch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sweet, sweet. Yeah, I wish I had. The only thing I have is the test present. You know. Every time I loan somebody a copy of mine, I never got it back. <laughs> okay. It's one of those well, okay. <laughs> yeah. I got well, a bunch of new album, ones here. Yeah, but that album made a mark on, on people, and they realized what a good band you were. A couple of years later, you know, this was the day. There was no internet back then, no magazines. Radio didn't play this shit back then. Nobody heard from you guys, but I did hear there was another record recorded for like around 88. Okay, uh, we recorded uh, a demo for the second album when I was with um, Black Death Mach 3. I call it Mach 3, but I really should say Mach 2 because the only thing that changed was the guitar player. Uh, the guitar player that's in the band now with Black Death Resurrected, uh, Mr. Vincent Lindsay, Mr. Spock, you know, he was with me in uh, Black Death Mach 2 slash 3. And, um, but I had to, still had the same drummer from Black Death Mach too, so that's why, you know. Yeah. And it was I've always had problems trying to find bass players. But um anyhow, uh we recorded and uh demo for the next album it was gonna be called the Tank Shop Maneuvers. 
And this was, um, because see, these are the guys I hooked up with that they were already knew about metal. And they were like kind of getting in the thrash movement, the speed metal thing, because it was really kicking up, you know, gaining steam, you know, at that time period, you know, between 80, what, 83, 82. When did fucking Metallica come out with that? Well, anyway. Yeah, about 82. Um, yeah, but, you know, really, if you want to get technical, you go back to the 70s with Motorhead and Overkill. That's right. <laughs> you know, That's it. matter of fact, as a song as I was trying to mention earlier, thanks for reminding me. That's on our current record called No Deceit, No Defeat. I wrote that with Lemmy and mine. It was about six. I wrote that. That was on the tank over six, you know, because uh, I was going to, like, try to submit it to him to see if he wanted it, you know. Because, yeah. you know, he's got that Lemmy voice, you know. You know, I didn't have my Lemmy voice then. Just call me Lemmy. <laughs> Black Lemmy. Okay. Black That's Larry. right. I told the joke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Lemmy Spacek. Okay. Uh, I am looking forward to that, man. I know you say you had trouble with bass plays. Greg Hicks is playing bass these days. You <laughs> always want to look for him? Uh, no, well, he was playing bass. He switched back to guitar. Uh, the last show Black Death did in December, we met, and, you know, and all was cool and stuff, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if we did, a, like, a, a semi-reunion and show or something. You know, we just have to find Daryl. Oh, well, that's good, man. I know there's a lot of back and forth between you guys over the years with him and the name and, and this and that. I'm glad that, you know, at least that's all news now. Yeah, because you can't steal from me. What the hell? hell? You, know? you are black guy. Yeah, guys. you know. I came up with the name and stuff, okay? Well, I came yeah. back in 78, they were still calling themselves Black Diamond, which is another name I gave us when 77, when I first met them, in 11th grade, straight out of high school. And these guys were like in their late 20s, Phil was in his early 30s, I think. No, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because wait a minute, I was 17 when I met them. He's 10 years older than me, 27, okay. Well, he was down there in the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> There's an old yeah, man back so, there. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, it's, um, um, it was another UFO situation, like when Michael Schenker first joined him. <laughs> Yeah, little young teenage kid. So, but anyways, um, so that all happened, and that was fine and dandy and stuff. But the bottom line was, you know, I needed to play with more skilled musicians. Philip was great, but I needed to play with a stronger bassist and guitarist who really understood what metal was about and could play it, you know, and um. So, because it was songs that I had written that we were unable to play, you can't play it if a person doesn't have the skills to play it and help you sure. to interpret and put that idea out there, right? Absolutely. You know, so, yeah, so, there's no knock on them, you know, and, uh, hell, Michael Schenker did it, and Yuli, nobody bitched about them. So why I got to be the bad guy? Okay. <laughs> You're right. Black Jeff should have been the next big thing. You know, the way I've always looked at it, and a few other people said that, you know, where you see Metallica at right now is where Black Jeff would have possibly been there. 
you know, if um, things had to stay true to course, you know, if, uh, you know, if I hadn't uh, wanted to stay true to myself and my convictions and just start with another lineup, I could have just stuck with them guys and just use them to get out there and, you know, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying, use them as a um, yeah. means to an end. Well, but I'm not yeah. that type of person, you know. And, um, well, well, what happened the yeah. first time around that it ended? Because it was around, I guess, around 88, 87, 88? Oh, when it finally ended in August, August 19th of my brother's birthday, August 19th, 1988, I decided to take a break from it. Because, you know, I was, people I was playing with and trying to audition in the band, you know, they were, like, just really trying to join the band. They were, like, you know, heavy metal double agents, you know. We'll select someone from our band to infiltrate yeah. Black Death and stuff, learn all their secrets, who their connects are, who the manager is and all that. Dude, all the fuck you had to do was ask me this. Instead of wasting a month learning songs that you really ain't trying to learn because you really ain't trying to join the band. You're just trying to get information to help your band. One particular guy comes to mind. He came all the way. Uh, Mr. Spock, he was, uh, Mr. Spock came in the line after he left. Some guy named, uh, uh, he's from Detroit. He played in some um, speed metal band and stuff, you know. Brash and all that, yeah. Okay. Anyways, I can't recall his name and stuff, but um, he had the hair and the look, and he had that Steve Harris style of playing bass, you know. But um, he was a double agent and stuff, so I kind of like got uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it's like not disappointed, but kind of like. I was like, fuck it, you know. Yeah. Fuck it. You know, it's like had enough. people that they wanted to use. They want to use you to their own means. Okay. Yeah. The black death name and blah, blah. So, you know, I said, well, let me take a break from this. Because I've been going at it from 78 every day. Go to work. Come home from work. Get off at 4. Got to be a band practice at 6. We don't finish until 11 or 10. You know, six days a week. Jeez. And how many years? From 78 to 88 to 10 years. So I said, well, let me yeah. take a break and do some normal stuff. You know? And then I discovered Coochie again. I was no longer a guitar as monk. I was no longer a monk. <laughs> I left the Shaolin guitar temple and stuff. I said, you know, <laughs> well, crap was coming out then too, and I heard all these things, these magnificent, unbelievable things that women would do. So, you know, yeah, I was trying to get back into the relationship, so it worked for me, and it was cheap. Yeah, yeah. I am a conservative. There you go. <laughs> Oh, you too much, man. Not Republican. <laughs> I'm a conservative liberal. I'm real cheap. Hey, that's okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that kind of kept you busy for oh, a while. 
Oh, yeah, it did. It did and stuff. But then, came around in 2004, Uli Roth and Michael Shanker came to the Peabody's uh, over here in Cleveland. And I've been waiting to see Uli Roth for so damn long. And then Michael Shanker, too. You know, so I was determined to be there. So pretty much like when Ric Flair left the WCW and he came, first came to the WWF and he was holding the belt. Well, yeah. I was so determined to get into this show because I didn't have the money. I came with my with the Black Death album and I was standing there holding it like the belt, you know. <laughs> the only thing he was missing was the, the pinstripe suit that he likes to wear, you know. <laughs> So I just dress like a heavy metal version of Prince. So uh, anyways, I got in. And I met the um, the bass player who was in my um, band, Not of the Surf. I met him and another gentleman by the name of Michael Green and Bob Biggins and uh, a guy named Matt who played drums. They came down there. And, you know, I up until that moment, I honestly didn't think anybody... Uh, Except for a few people, I don't think anybody remembered me, much less Black Death. But when I came back on the scene, I did make that first, you know, step back on the scene. I didn't realize the love and, like, these the fans and people that missed me. Now, I didn't know that my uh, leave my absence was fucked up that much. <laughs> <laughs> Man, where are you been? You know, it's just like a, a parent with a child that ran away, but then they get them back. Oh, you're back, yeah. you're back home. <laughs> where the fuck you been? 30 years, where the hell you been? Oh, Pussy wasn't that good. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so anyways, uh, and again, that's a testament to the strength and the power of the music. Because, you know, I try to write my songs that, you know, easily for anyone to, like, experience or understand or relate to, most importantly, you know. And, sure, I come with my biblical um, things and stuff in it and stuff, you know. But um, and it's not religious. There's a difference between biblical and religious people, okay, before you start bringing out the torches and shit and the pitchforks. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and immediately everybody thinks of that scene, that scene in the first Frankenstein and shit. Yeah. Okay. With the, yeah, with the villagers rushing the castle. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> so the music is, you know, it's, it's, it, everyone can relate to it, you know. And I, I've never been the one to write about getting high and banging a bunch of girls, you know. And then when I do write songs about women, it's from a romantic point of view. It's where a man would say these things to his wife or to the woman that he wants to be his mate. or And then also singing songs about the ones he thought was like that and it was the wrong ones. It was some evil bitches out here now. You got to be careful. You got to sleep with both eyes open and your hand on your guitar. <laughs> and your cell phone in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens, man, when you're a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. So, anyway, so they had a band called Mandrake. And this is where, um, and they needed a vocalist. 
because they had me and mine and uh, Ripper Owens, you know. And uh, but they didn't think they didn't know how to get in touch with me, and they didn't think that Ripper Owens would like really. I mean, because he just left Judas Priest, and, and you know, some people when they've been there and they come back home, they ain't too interested in anything that's less than up there where they've been or something potentially to get them back up there where, yeah. Okay, so anyways, so we I told them I'm the only, the only moniker I flew under was the band was Black Death. So, you know, we compromised, and that's how that band became the legacy of Black Death Mandrake because Mandrake was the name of that band, okay? And hence, there's a song, the last song on the first side, called Mandrake and shit. Real gothic, spooky, real Englishy song. song. You know, you should play it on Halloween. Or if you want to scare the kids. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. what I love is you, oh, you did the Holocaust song, Heavy Metal Mania. That was a killer version of that. Yeah. Oh, you got that? The Heavy Metal Mania? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'd like to do that. Yeah. You know, because, see, I ad-libbed the first part of the vocals. You know, I made that up because I said, that's such a good riff. So I said, you know, inside the power cage. Well, I can feel you watching me, but can you feel the rage? Because, you know, every metal here, we all have that rage. Yep. As the music comes smashing through, you know, so blah, blah, you know, and the rest of history. And there's a lot of, you know, um, there's a lot of um, bootleg stuff out there I wasn't even really aware and again, this is before technology is like it is now. Now you just whoop yeah. out a cell phone. Back then, you know, I'm like, how did you sneak a boombox into the show, man? How did you sneak slip a boombox into the show? You had to you put know? it in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And stuff, okay. You know, so anyhow, and stuff. So I did a little stint with that and stuff. And then, uh, you know, but I was determined. I was always going to resurrect and bring Black Death back out, you know, because it was unfinished business. And I didn't want to die and just let that first album be like, that's your legacy, that's it. You know what I'm saying? Especially with so much more music to be told, and it should have been told if I hadn't uh, overextended my two-week break into 30 years, you know what I mean? So anyhow, um, so I hooked up, you know, the gentleman by the name Mr. Uh, Robert Butler, he's bass player. You know, he should have been on the first Black Death album, but he was on tour with his badge and stuff. Oh, speaking of the devil, that's him right there and stuff. What's up, bro? You have a seat. Don't talk to me. I'm on the air right now. Okay, doing the interview. So I got him and... Uh, and it was just me and him for a while and stuff, you know, because we couldn't find a drummer. Okay. Matter of fact, we were doing that before I met these guys at the Yuli and Shaker show. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, but the Mandrake guys, they already had it. It was like, it was a no-brainer. They already know metal. They play metal. They got equipment, you know. Okay, let's put Black Dove on hold for a minute. Let me go over here and play with these guys just to play with some guys that already knew how to play metal. You have no idea how fucking refreshing that is. You know, they speak the same language. 
so anyhow, with that being said, you know, and um, and after I did my stint with uh, Dr. Seal, he had joined Mandrake right before I left, you know. Yeah. But then he and I had some words, and uh, and it's one of my biggest regrets in life is the fact that I had an opportunity where, after all these years later, we had a chance to play together again. But because, uh, and, and even though what he said was fucked up, you know, even though he said that, you know, I should have just swallowed my pride, I should have just did the gig with him and then just cussed him the fuck out. That's what I should have <laughs> That was a joke, too. Uh, but I'm telling the truth, I would have. Yeah, and I would have did it. <laughs> okay. All right. So anyhow, and stuff. So I get back up with uh, uh, Barbara Butler, you know, Ben, we call him. And uh, we get a drummer, a Filipino drummer, uh, Titus the Fandom, who's a drummer on our latest record. And uh, and I was, you know, black death. Okay, and about this time, then this when Greg wants to give me a hassle about the name. How you going to give me a hassle about my name? You know, and, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I had no problem with him doing this black death thing, but all you were doing was playing my songs. I mean, they weren't doing nothing, their own original stuff. And then a lot of people were getting, feel like they were being played because you say black death, who you expect to see in front of the mic, right? Yep. And if I'm not there in front of the mic, well, this ain't Black Death, and I think you ripped me off. You got me to come here in the false impression. Yeah. Okay. But Miss Sandy Kruger, she did a pretty good job. You know, uh, yeah, they had to, got to check the three uh, vocals. You know, she's cool with me, but I just didn't know how to. They got a chick instead of a guy. You know. <laughs> I know. But anyway, <laughs> moving, yeah, moving right along. So um, it was... Titus is in Bam's idea to come up. This is where CT Space Second and Resurrection, you know, like, oh, yeah, Jimmy Hendrickson experience, um, Purple Rain Prince and the Purple Rain. Oh, get the hell out of here. That was a corny-ass name. Okay, I wanted to say Black Death Resurrected then. But, see, I was trying to do that democracy thing, right? Majority and all that shit. Yeah, that shit don't work no more now. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we, yeah, we discuss things, but I make the final decision of what the fuck we're going to do. I'm not making no yep. mistakes. This is the last giddy up. Okay, so anyhow, and stuff, um, so I told them, um, okay, well, and again, listen to them, because they were all scared because, oh, he was talking about lawyers and uh, suing if you use the name, you know, and I'm like, screw that and shit. You know, so I compromised with him. I said, and this is where the name Iron Messiah comes in for the band and stuff, okay? Because, you know, I was called the Iron Messiah because I wrote the song, Screaming Iron Messiah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, that okay, I can live with that, okay? And, and I suggested it so I could really live with it. But I was still coming back to Black Death either way it went. So we went through lineup changes, went through lineup changes, and Iron Messiah, and then I happened to run into uh, Vinny, you know, because, um, you know, I'm very particular about, you know, the musicians I play with. You know, the first thing I look for, there's got to be chemistry there. 
you know. And then you've got to have a certain level of skill. But, you know, more importantly, we got to be able to blend and get along where, you know, whether you're going to play in a band or not, but especially you're going to play in a band together. Okay. <clears throat> so Vinny, and he was the uh, first guitar player that I played with that um, who knew how to play and knew metal, okay? And he was also the guitar player on the fucking uh, demo album we did, The Tank yeah. Shop. Okay. So um, we got to talking, and uh, we came on over here because while I was still over there with the Iron we were uh, hooking up over to uh, Ben's house. So after the Iron Messiah thing filled out, uh, I went and concentrated totally on Black Death, getting it back out there and getting it right. So we um, stuck with it. When I, and the funny thing of it is, I never played out of town. I never played and did a show out of town until years later after I was with the original lineup. Yeah, yeah. You guys you were know, in Portland, yeah. Oregon, I think, last year. No, I wasn't totally organized. And then back then, we really had no manager to speak of. There was a working gentleman, Mr. Bob Surgeon, love him and stuff, you know, and and even more so to Bill Peters, thanks to him, because I took him the first um, demo that we recorded, and it was on the reel of reel in the basement. He was a DJ at uh, WCSB at Cleveland State, and uh, and he played it. And he was like, it was like he found Jimmy Hendrix all over again, something like that, you know, yeah. except his four guys this time. You know, he's got Chiss and Jimmy Hendrix and Black Sabbath all rolled up into one. It's like right now, if you found a big chunk of gold, you'd be like all excited. Oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm rich. Okay, it's worth something, but how are you going to change it from what it is, you know, into what it's worth. Like you could get a diamond, but it's only worth something if the guy cuts it and, and you know, shapes yeah. the diamond right, you know, to where it's worth that money. And then, like you say, back then, everything, it was like, it was the, it was the beginning. It was like the gestation, the birthing, so to speak. It was like no set way about doing things and some of the guys, they didn't know how to handle and act like us. You know, the, the best way to go about it, I would imagine. Well, we don't have that problem now because the manager that we have now uh, out of Portland, Oregon, the owner and operator of Weird War Records, that's right, Mr. Dennis Dredd, the Commodore, yeah, he's the one responsible for putting out this latest album. And uh, we have some CDs and T-shirts. We have a bunch of stuff coming out, you know, like merch, you know. I nobody yeah. told me about merch before, you know, but now I'm a merch fan. Okay. <laughs> That's supposed to be a comical voice. <laughs> if I had to sing last night, I could do my voice impressions a little better than I've been doing them, you know. That's all right. The next time we'll do it. 
Speaking, when you did get yeah. back into the music again with Mandrake or right around before after Mandrake, did you ever think about or attempt to put that classic lineup back together again with Greg and Phil? I mean, I know Phil passed away in 2008 uh, and Claiborne was killed in the 70s and I think Ed Gooden also passed away. Was there anybody else left yeah. to try to hook up with? Um, well, to answer your question back then, no, uh-uh. we had considered getting, um, Greg to come and play guitar with us before we got Benny, but he never returned any um, re- requests, you know, he never replied back, and uh, and he was involved doing his Black Death thing, you know. And, uh, and for the record, I was never crazy about the logo on the album. <laughs> okay. But our friend Bob Surgeon, he drew it. It's nice, but it's not, you know, no. Yeah. I like the new logo better. Yeah. Okay. Right. And we got the rights to it. <laughs> now, but the music, you know, because see, again, my songs, you have to have a certain skill level to play some of these songs that, you know, these little epic masterpieces, as I like to egotistically call them. Yes, everyone, that's my dark secret. I have an ego. <laughs> Did you see the size of my forehead? <laughs> yeah. Well, when you start getting the receding hairline, it's either because it's genetics or you got a big ego, big head. <laughs> I think I got a little bit of both and stuff, so, you know, what can I say? Yeah. So, anyways, back to the music. So, um, we got Benny, we got two going, and um, Dennis, uh, 2014, he reached out to us, and he flew us into Portland, Oregon, for July 4th to play um, a festival over there, right? Street festival. And we played with Hyrax, and um, uh, and another band was supposed to be playing with, um, oh, oh, damn, it's a German word, it means attack. Oh, damn it. And I say it one of my songs. Vermont. Vermont. Oh, Vermont. Yeah, Vermont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they were playing there too. Matter of fact, well, I think we were the 380 bands playing there and stuff. So, anyhow, and stuff, we did it. And a uh, matter of fact, the promo trailer for the new album, The Return of Desire, the film footage was actually sh- shot from that show. You know, with the fireworks and the background. You know. I was just got finished playing Star Spangled Banner with my teeth, you know. <laughs> and um, well, as you get older, you know, the only time you eat it out now and stuff is you got to protect that enamel on your teeth. Okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't whip it out unless you're going to use it. And use it sparingly. <laughs> so, anyhow, so we got there and um, Billy Morris. The guitar player, the guitarist used to play in Warrant and Quiet Riot. <clears throat> and um, a group called, a local band called Spoiled. I, during that period when I was with Iron Messiah, you know, the resurrection, Iron Messiah, right in that phase, uh, I went to his club. It's called the Foundry. Now it used to be called the High Fire Club. And um, he said, I want to do the next Black Death album. I want to record it and put it out. So he took it upon himself to um, 
because, you know, we didn't have the cash to play for the studio time. So he took it on his dime and stuff to, like, to get this recorded. Because, you know, he said, the world needs another Black Death album, man. You know, and I agree. I agree. Yep. And they need a few more. They need a few more. I got a lot to catch up with. 30 years. Jesus Christ. How many did let me? Yeah. Damn, everybody got 22 albums. Shit. <laughs> and I don't know how much time I got left. Jesus Christ. Okay, well, you I'll get, get you what I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyhow, this stuff, um, so we recorded, um, the album was recorded at Billy Morris' studio, Hi-Fi Records, and, uh, and I took the demo with us. It was unmixed and what have you, you know, because he hadn't mastered done anything. And I let uh, Judge Dredd hear it, and he was like when, by the time we got off the plane and got back into Cleveland, he had called me and texted me back up, and he said, I want to do the album, put it on vinyl, you know, because this, also this album is like closure from the past, because now it's time to move on. And I understand people are curious about black death, the missing years and what's on and happening, you know. And and I'll answer all of those questions because uh, my soon to be soon to be written coming out book called Streetwalker. The rags to riches, the rags to never got the riches. Back to the rags, trying to get the richest story of black death. <laughs> That's gonna be some book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, it'll be about as thick as a comic book, you know, <laughs> graphic novel. <laughs> oh, oh, and all the interviews I've done, including yours with you. We'll list that in there in the credits, and they can like go to the uh, to the site and they can hear <laughs> yeah. the rest to go with what's in the book. So, anyhow, um, with this new lineup, because it's about moving on now and uh, getting because there's there's so much more music to play and there's so much more to say, and this album it's like a natural progression from the last album. As a matter of fact, a couple of songs on this album should have been on the first album, you know. And um, but Bill had his picks, you know. I would have put the heavier stuff on myself, but he yeah. wanted "Here Comes the Wrecking Crew." Here comes the wrecking crew. <laughs> See, I can't even do a good snare drum. I was busting my voice last night. Okay. You got to rest Anyways, yeah. So, moving along, um, it's, it's, it's a natural progression. And the color scheme is similar to the last album. The logo is different, but this is Black Death Resurrected. I'm resurrecting Black Death, you know, because yeah. as it speaks of in the scriptures, the resurrection, when we get resurrected, is coming into an new world, a new life, a new way of being, living, and all that good stuff, you know. So that's what this is with this band and stuff, you know. Black Death is supposed to, every medium in heavy metal, I've tried to write a song in that medium. 
you know, like it's black death being, you take all the different styles of heavy metal and all the heavy metal bands, and if you took the best of the bunch and put them all in one band, what would they be? Black death. Yeah. Okay, we're kissed with natural makeup, so we save a lot with Maybelline on that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's for Jimmy Hendrix in the bed, okay. All right, yeah, studs, leather, blah, blah, okay. I don't breathe fire no more. They don't let me do that. Okay, and besides, yeah. I don't want no trouble with jeans. With yeah, you gotta watch fuck, what you going to get? Yeah, okay. He'll yeah. take you right to court, that guy. He don't waste any time. Yeah, I don't give a fuck if my daddy's a Jew. Yeah, what the fuck are you going to do now? <laughs> okay, well, I got a fear, bro. <laughs> oh, God. So, <laughs> so, I'm surprised he, well, he can't touch her. I was sticking my tongue out like that before. Cheers, because I saw it in, um, you know, in the, um, what's that, um, the little tabloids like the National Enquirer, and they have a little yeah. health section there, a little helpful hints. Here's something to help combat aging. Don't want to get a sagging chin? Stick your tongue out with these tongue exercises. So, you know, again, not to mention I ate a lot of pussy back then. So, well, yeah, you spent 10 years going after that, so you worked your tongue pretty good. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, okay. I had a joke, but then I, I went blank, and I just didn't know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> and this is satellite radio, right? I can cuss, right? Okay. Yeah, you can say anything you want to say. It's okay. <laughs> oh, okay, cool, then, and stuff. Okay. All right. Don't let the motherfucking illegal aliens in this goddamn country. You see what happened to Paris? Oh, and another motherfucking thing. Johnny motherfucking football. Okay, now I got that out of my system. Let's get back to the interview, shall we? Oh, okay. As long as you feel better, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. So right now we're going on. We're going to CD will be out in a couple of months. And um, we're going to have, but the CD will be different on the album because it'll have four other extra tracks on it that didn't make it to the vinyl. And some of those songs will be a couple of songs from the tank shop maneuvers, you know, which we already have a couple on here, you know. Yeah. Uh, the Live by the Sword, Die by the Sword, uh, um, No Deceit, No Defeat, you know. And um, this song, there's a song called The Burning River, that was a song. I just came up with the lyrics for it. But the gentleman that I mentioned earlier from Mandrake, when I hooked up with them, that was one of his songs. It was a song written by my good friend Mike Green and shit. Hulk, Mike Hulk Green, you know. Yeah. And um, and it had such a, you know, that beat, you know. And, and it all, every time I hear it, it reminded me of a car commercial. It's like, you know, here we go, riding through the night, on a wing and a prayer. And always, it always, always seems like it's a car commercial. It's a brand new 77 Limited. You know, they always had the heavy metal music in the cars, making that cool yeah. curve. You know, they show the guy behind the wheel with the white leather gloves on and the aviators. Oh, he looks cool. Okay, no, he's just a stunt driver. He lives in the projects, too. But anyway, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay, we, you know when we first played out, when we, I remember our first show, and on uh, the first year we was doing shows, 
after each song, we didn't know if people liked it or not because it would literally be 30 seconds to darn near a whole minute where it was silence. Then all of a sudden, everybody broke out crazy and shit. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, okay, well, I guess this must be what it's like if aliens was all of a sudden just come out the sky, you know, like nobody sees a flying saucer in broad daylight, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in a populated metropolis, metropolitan city, okay, yeah. if you did, you'd be like, yeah, I guess it'd be more than one minute of silence, everybody'd be screaming. So that's um, so I've only brought that up because the delay reaction to my jokes, but that's okay. You laughed anyway. So no, I get back along to the music. You gotta remember, there's like a five ah. second delay on on the on the on the switchboard in case I have to edit anything out. So that's why it takes a couple of seconds oh. for it to come through. Oh, okay, okay, oh, okay. Yeah, that's so when fine, you say something, it's like two seconds behind. So <laughs> it mm. takes two seconds for me to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, we're here. We have our. We have a new drummer now. A gentleman by the name of Mr. Christopher Story, Lieutenant Christopher Story. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, yeah. He's um. Cause as the drummer goes, the band goes. You know, and he's got. It's like putting in one of those. You know, like early Saturday morning. On the TV channel, they always had a little mechanic or uh, auto mechanic type of program going on. Yeah. Hi, I'm Bob Mechanic, and I'm going to show you how we put this engine in. Okay. And you know how they overhaul it? They take out the old engine and put in a goddamn jet engine or some stuff. Okay, well, that's pretty, that's pretty much that's pretty much what we have now with Christopher Stoley. You know, I mean, he can thrash, he can speed metal it. But he can also play the little delicate stuff. You know, I don't play soul music. I can sing it a little bit, but um, that's right. I'm purity metal. Poison metal with no Im- no impurities within me. <laughs> Rhythm and blues, my ass. Oh, I'll take man. the blues and shit, yeah, <laughs> and the classical music. Yeah, that's what metal is based on, man. Absolutely, blues and classical that's where it goes back to. Yeah, that's the roots know. of it all. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're still doing yeah, it, Sneaky. I mean, we're going to have to wrap this oh, up in a minute because the interview is actually going longer than the show. So we're going to have to continue this. Oh, well, that's when the okay. Comes out, man. Oh, we're going to be sending you uh, the copy of the demo. I mean, not of the demo. That's what the fuck you sent last time. We're going to send you yeah. a copy. Of, we're going to try to get you, um, maybe try to get you a copy of the vinyl. But, um,. Definitely going to get you um, a copy of the album on CD until the real CDs come out. Okay. You should get that sometime. But today is Thursday. Uh, Hopefully, try to mail it out to you. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Judge Dredd, what you going to mail it out to him this Monday? Because this show will be on the 31st, right? That's going to be here, right? And he'll be listening. Okay, Judge Dredd. You gotta send Mike the damn CD of the damn new album, and I just love saying cuss words. Yeah, I guess you can tell. <laughs> Hell yeah, motherfucker, damn it, shit, bitch, fuck it. Okay, now that I got that out of my system. 
All right, man. man. I can't thank you enough, brother, for talking with me today, man. We're going to do this again when the record comes out. That way we'll, do, we'll have the whole show to do it. Okay, yeah, there we go. And then, you know, and, uh, and also um, I'll be getting on the studio to start work on uh, another EP with my other band, Not Even Surf, also. You know, oh, man. actually all these bands are Black Death. They just got different names. <laughs> if I play it, it's Black Death, right? You know, That's it. I mean, it took, it took over a year and a half to get people to say Iron Messiah and stuff saying Black Death. Even the, even the people that hired us at the club to play, we told them we're Iron Messiah. What happens when the guy gets out there on the microphone? Here they are, Black Death and shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then I had to go to the microphone and correct him and shit, you know. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, we all know how embarrassing that can be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I ain't going to hold you up too much longer. Yeah, Black Death Resurrected. And I like to say this to the congregations of the metal. I respect and I understand the place in metal history that the first Black Death album has, the sacred place that it holds. And I mean no disrespect to it, but it's time for something new. It's time yep. to hear that wasn't the whole story, you know. So open your minds. It's like, how would Claus Mine and the Scorpions used to say it? Force yourselves to use your brains. It's the only way to gain. It's another thing with just a lie. Oh, no. Well, at least I can still do my claws. Okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, brother. It was nice talking to you, me. man. But we got band practice now to do tonight. Go ahead. Okay, go love enjoy you, man. Enjoy Okay. All right, take care, brother. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I always end yeah. this. <laughs> oh, I can't even do it. Okay, I'll text this to everybody. <laughs> we'll do it the next time. <laughs> okay. Enjoy your right, see you. Take care. Here comes the wrecking crew!
Black Death with We Are The Wrecking Crew. I was actually going to play Breaking the Chains of Hell, but since Sicky mentioned that song, I had to get it on. All right. I want to thank my guest tonight, Scott from Texas Underground Records. Uh, Zach Stevens. I'm still laughing over Sicky. Zach Stevens of Circle to Circle and my man, Sicky Spacek of Black Death Resurrected. You know, that's his stage name. In case you're wondering where he got it from, he kind of named himself after the actress, uh, Sissy Spacek. Uh, that's where it came from. All right, we're going to wrap up tonight's show with a song by, by Curious Repulsive Vision. This is Gary Young of Avengers, other band. Uh, the song is called Premature Burial. Like I said, thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. Thank you for hanging in there. I do appreciate it. We went a half hour longer than normal tonight, and I think it's going to be like that for the next month because we have a lot of guests coming on the show. All right, I'll see you guys later. Don't forget to tune into the Metal Matinee this Thursday at 12 o'clock. The show is called Blinded. I'll see you then. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. Oh!
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.